Yes, people, we're back with another episode of the Old School Movements, and we have another guest from the world of movies. And um, yes, so who we got today, Chris? Who we got today? Who have we got? Just in case you don't know, we've got Jack O'Hallahan. He's worked in loads of feature films, most notably Superman 1 and 2. We're going to be chatting to him about everything he's done. The bully, the henchman. <laughs> the henchman. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jack O'Halloran. Great you could join us. <laughs> I started going to London back in the 60s when I was boxing. I boxed at Albert Hall. I boxed at the Grosvenor House. It's, it's always raining there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we were going to start with, you know, back in the 60s, you were a pro football player. And then from that, you went into boxing. I was going to ask you, how did that come about? What got you into sports? Well, and... you know, when I was when I was back in that period of time, you couldn't play professional football until your class graduated college. They should still have that rule, actually. But they, mm. that's the rule they had. So we played in, in a... If you left school early, which I did, you played in, in the Jets grabbed the hold of me, the New York Jets. And so they had like a like a semi-pro league. It was like a farm system for guys to keep playing and keep their levels up until they were eligible to play. And then when I was eligible to play, a lot of friends of mine were playing down in Philadelphia and they, I wanted to go down to Philly and play because they had a new, a new owner and everything. Then they hired a guy, Joku Harik, who traded a championship football team away. Ali had just won the title. And I said to a friend of mine in Philadelphia, I could beat that guy. And they said, you know, that's a good idea. And they put me in a gym. <laughs> and six months later, I was fighting. <laughs> wow. wow. Just like that. And it, uh, and it worked out pretty well. I was undefeated 16 fights. And then I took a physical one day. And they found out that I had a disease called acromeglia, mm. which is a tumor of the pituitary gland. And they... And, and I, the guy said, how do you, you shouldn't even ever be able to get in the ring. And I just laughed at him and I kept on going. And, you know, so I just, um, so it got down to the where the, I, I had to go get a, a procedure done at Mass General and took the tumor away. And yeah. it just, it, it sort of was the end of my career. And so I mm. went from that right into movie business. But before the acting, you also fought George Foreman, didn't you, Jack? Yeah, George and I, that was a, George and I, um, it was another, I had just knocked out this Manuel Ramos guy. You're knocking out everyone. And then no one would fight me. No one wanted to fight me. And then two months later, they uh, called me up to fight Foreman in the, in the, in the garden. Wow. Well, and man. the problem was I only trained like about five days for the fight. Wow. Because I was too busy doing the, I, I had a famous father. My father was a guy called Albert Anastasia out of New York. He ran a little company called Murder Incorporated. Yeah. And I was involved <laughs> in his business and I was doing this and that and involved with the unions and everything. And and, uh, and I was paying more attention to that. than they said, you want to fight in the garden? I said, yeah. So the fight, even with the, even with that, you know, it, it was a, a hell of a fight for a couple rounds. And, you know, George... Yeah, you had two really good rounds. George caught me. I heard him bad in the second round. He, you know, he and I became good friends. But he yeah. caught me a punch in the fifth round. And But I got up, and they stopped it very quickly. They were very... looking As soon as they could stop it, they wanted to. And yeah. they stopped it pretty fast, and I kind of made me angry. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they would never, he would never fight me again. 
Yeah. I wanted yeah, to fight yeah. him back. He would never fight me again. Yeah. This, I, you know, <laughs> and I went on in my career and just uh, beat a couple more ranked fighters. And but you got a pretty, you had a pretty impressive record, didn't you? As a, well, I was supposed to fight uh, Joe Frazier. That was a fun story wow. back in the in the in the seventies, the early seventies. I was supposed to fight Joe Frazier. They they called me to fight. I was living in New Jersey. They and they called me up to fight um, a kid named uh, Terry Daniels, who was. Uh, they were looking for a white guy to fight Frazier, in mm. the Houston Astrodome. So Terry Daniels was a ranked fighter, and, and they, they figured that if, if he could beat me, they could promote him into fighting Frazier. So he mm. called me on the phone and said, "You want to fight Terry Daniels, then? And I said, yeah, man. And the guy said, you'll take the fight? I said, certainly. Send me a ticket. Well, I had been training every day because I was I had indictments against me for some union business. And I had to stay in my house, out of sight, out of mind. So I was training pretty hard. I was in great shape <laughs> when I went down to fight Daniels. And, and I got out. I remember when Lou Vescuzzi was the promoter. And I got off the plane. He said, my God, you're in great shape. I said, aren't you supposed you to be in shape when you're fighting? And I destroyed this kid. In three rounds, I, I I I destroyed him, knocked him out in the third round, and I'm flying back to Philly on the plane with Yank Durham, and he said to me, "If you beat one more good fighter, you can have the Frazier fight." I said, "I'll tell you what, you name the fighter and the time, just send me a ticket." He said, "Are you serious?" I said, "You get you pick the fighter and the place and the time, send me a ticket." So I fought Cleveland Williams the next month. Who was a pretty good fighter, and uh, in Houston, Texas, where he was from, and I destroyed Cleveland Williams. He was uh, in his backyard. He was he was a hell of a guy, but I, I mean I, I was in great shape. And, big title contender. And I beat him. I beat him handedly. And in fact, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth round, the eighth, ninth, tenth round, the last couple of rounds of play, every time I hit him a combination, he started to fall down. I grabbed him under the elbows. Pull him in and say, "Oh man, we've been boxing all night. Don't be, don't, don't, don't be going to sleep on me now." Which, because to take a distance, he was. If I knocked him out, would have hurt his earning capacity. But to go to distance, it was, you know, didn't didn't hurt you too bad. Uh, yeah. But he yeah. he told me after the fight, he said, "You hit me more left jabs than Ali." He said, "Where the hell did you come?" Wow. <laughs> He's a good guy. I like Cleveland. Cleveland was a oh, good guy. Oh, nice. When I retired, I went in the movie business, and I still was in my blood. So I took a kid, Frankie Lyles, who was from Philadelphia in upstate New York, and uh, and I made him super middleweight champ of the world. Nice. Trained him with Fred, and we created Freddie Roach. That's where uh, Freddie Roach came. From. Uh, Freddie cool. Roach uh, worked with me with, with with Frankie, and and went on to become a great trainer. Uh. Is it right that Sylvester Stallone followed you about a bit in your boxing days? And that's sort Stallone of Stallone way... was a trip. I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> you know, Rocky, the Rocky movie? That was my oh, life. Yeah. Stallone Stallone did a picture with me. Stallone was in Farewell, My Lovely. Mm. He did a small part of it. They, were, they, used, they brought out Joe Spinell, who was also in the Rocky movie. Joe Spinell had a group of actors in New York, and he would bring them out to a production to fill in little roles. They used to make a deal with the producer and they bring like four guys or five guys. And he brought Stallone, Stallone come out. And he was doing this, writing the script Rocky. And he picked my brain every day. And I told him about the, I told him about the waterfront. And I told him about, you know, 
uh, you know, and he knew I was involved in organized crime and stuff. And so he kept asking me question after question. He'd never been to Philadelphia. He didn't know anything about Philadelphia, you know. So he and the gym that he, where he, he they placed the gym up in North Philly, but it was actually South Philadelphia, the Pasha Young Gym. You had to go up those steps. It was yeah. on the third floor. And it was a cranky old joint. A lot of great old fighters trained out of there. And they, wow. but they, it made me laugh like hell when they did the movie. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I said, wow, look at this. And I think Chuck Wepner, I think, sued him. And Wepner got a lot of money from him because he said it was his life. Ah. Ah. Going back to George Foreman, have you got one of his grills? <laughs> you use one of his no, grills. No, it's funny. Like, you know, you see, I tell you that when he, when he, yeah. he, his lawyer called me on the phone when they were doing that grill and wanted me to uh, you know, ask me to invest in it. Okay, yeah, like endorsing to help so. him out with it. And I said, uh, <laughs> I was, I forget, I was doing something. I was running, yeah. I was, I was working somewhere doing something, and. Uh, I said, I, I, I said, I ain't got time for that kind of job. And he said, oh, man, this is a great investment. I said, I said, nah. I said, you know, I'll wind up giving the money to Sun Chick or something. <laughs> now it's all over QVC. George, and then the thing became really popular. And George yeah. said, see, you should have got involved. Yeah, exactly. You God bless you, there, George is a great guy. You know, he's the only guy I know that had six daughters and named them all, all well, them George. George. Didn't yeah, George. Georgina, George. I asked him that one day. I said, George. Why'd you name one of your daughters George? He said, so I wouldn't forget their name. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's not too late, Jack. You could have had the, the old Hallohan hairdryer or something. You know, you can still... <laughs> you can, you can <laughs> still... <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, George? You should do that. That's a good idea, man. It's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing... We did a lot of things over... I, when I was in London, I, you know, I was... The Crays were good friends of mine. Oh, and, okay. and the Richardsons. I mean, I knew every gangster in London. They were. They got some connections. That's yeah. when London was London. In the '60s, London was a great town. It was safe. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you something. You you had yeah. the, you had Morton's, up on Barclay Square was open all night long. There was the Revolution. There there were clubs. They were open 24 hours, yeah. and you yeah. could get a black cab at any time of the night. And people. Women could walk safe anywhere in London. There was never a problem. And that's yeah, yeah. when the when the lads ran their manners, no there was no uh, <laughs> there was no no garbage went on. It was a safe, yeah. safe, yeah. safe city, but a lot of fun. Yeah. You were in London at the at the proper yeah. high time yeah. of the sixties. Oh, London was brilliant. So how did you make a connection with the craze then? How did you become friends with the craze? Well, because of where I came from. You know, where I was. My my father was my father was New York. And, uh, Mm. And I was involved with a lot of friends. And when I went over there, my dear friend was David Barry, who ran Bayswater. He ran right. West London. And mm. the Crays ran East London. Yeah. And the Nashes ran North London. Richard, and the Richardsons ran South, South London. Yeah. And Joey Pyle was a good friend of mine. They, they were all involved in boxing and stuff. And yeah. Crays yeah. were involved in boxing. They loved yeah, that's boxing. that's right. That's Interesting right. Interesting connections uh, there. They, and they were good kids. They were, you know, they were crazier than Hoot Out. I mean, Ronnie was just, John, Ronnie was insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah. was, he, I mean, he, he, Ronnie went to jail. Ronnie went to jail. I used to go visit him down, down at, uh, what's his, that uh, crazy place where they put all the nut guys? Uh, Broadmoor. 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 Yeah, Broadmoor. But Ronnie, 
And Ronnie went away because he was at a big dinner. And uh, and the guy was one of the, a gangster was there and a the guy called him a fag. And Ronnie got up and shot him. Wow. I said, what the hell did you do that for? He said, how dare that bastard call me? I said, but you are gay. He said, so? It's not his business to name that out in public like that. But that's the way he was, man. He was, sounds like they it. ran East London like with a, you know, you couldn't step out of line over there. I'll no. tell you that. Yeah, it was a different city, and there was no, there were no weapons. Nobody carried any weapons in in London at that time. You know, punch ups. Well, they, they, I mean, uh, the craze. uh, Reggie used to have a sword. He used Mm. to chase people down the street with Mm. a sword. But they, you know, they, they, if they used a gun, you would very rarely ever hear about. You know, they didn't carry them. They didn't walk around. There was no. The Bobbies didn't even have it. Only the flying squad. Yeah, Bobby's right. never got any weapon. Now they got machine guns on every corner. Yeah, yeah. Right. we're getting more like New York. London's getting more like New York. Oh, it gets, I mean, I, I can remember the Black Cab was a, that was the greatest system I ever. I mean, I I could find anybody in London if I wanted to just put it on a Black Cab radio. And we were looking for somebody. Yeah. They would spot them in within a half an hour. <laughs> They're good lookouts. That's a good way oh, of getting. Wow. That was great. Black cabs were great. They were. They were your lookouts, yeah. But I remember before they had the glass, they never had a glass in between the cab driver. Then they people started robbing them, and they, you know, things changed. All of a sudden, they had bulletproof glass. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Sounds like you know a lot about London, man. You you, you, you have been around for a while. Oh yeah. I I tell you, I went to a, I went to a a a jam session at. Robert Stigwood had the, the music studio over there. And we went one one week on a Friday. Uh, the Bee Gees said to me, you got to come down to this. You got to come down. We're going to have a, we're gonna have a big thing down there. Eric Clapton was a friend of mine. So mm. we went down there. It was the Bee Gees and, the, and the Jagger and the boys and Eric Clapton. And, wow. whole, and I heard Saturday Night Fever for the first time before it was ever even released. Exclusive. We went in on a Friday night. We never left till Monday morning. <laughs> that sounds like a good jam. Session. That sounds like a good jam. That's you're talking about a jam, oh, jam so, toast. You know, you're talking about a jam session, boy. That's good. Good, yeah, company, good few days. That was a, wow. And the, and the Beatles. The Beatles had a. The Beatles had a, a brownstone in down in uh, in uh, Kensington. They had a brownstone, and at the bottom of it, they had a, a swimming pool. And they filled it up with jello. <laughs> and they had a jello party one night. There's only ladies there though, Jack. Yeah. I said, this is this, this is different, son. Take your chicks and jello, you know. Welcome I mean? to London, Jack. Yeah. Sounds good. Dive in. Jello. Dive in. Ladies and jello. <laughs> you touched on earlier how you know you got into acting. Coming straight from that boxing scene into acting, were you, were you offered any any boxing parts or any of the parts where they're looking for the you know the large characters like you like you know would you have been offered like a Darth Vader character or or maybe Jaws from Bond you know them them sort well, of Well, they life. offered me Jaws. I turned it down. I was doing a picture called March or Die down in uh, in Spain, and they came to me to do the Bond pictures, yeah. and uh, and I said, well, I just signed a contract to do it and my agent said well, we can get out of it you want to do I said, ah, you know I went with Gene Hackman and Catherine Deneuve and 
And I really didn't like the script. And mm. I didn't want to get involved in playing the big dumb guy like the Joel's guy, you know? Mm. I, I like the versatility of being able mm. to pick my roles and stuff. Mm. And uh, Don't be I, 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 I kicked myself in the butt for a couple pictures that I turned down that mm. I wish I'd never had. I turned down the Conan picture. Oh. That, they, that, that Schwarzenegger did. They came to me yeah. to do that because De Laurentiis did King Kong and his group came to me to do, I was over there for Superman and they were, they they came to me to do uh, Conan. Oh. And um, I was having too much fun in London. So <laughs> Not ready yet. And I said, I don't think so. And so I turned, and then I turned down a picture with uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Um, oh. Still crazy. It was about a, a, a train thing. Oh, oh, oh! Silver Street. Silver Street. Street. Yeah. Silver Street. Yeah. And I was yeah. doing yeah. King Kong, and they we had a break, like six week break, while they went to New York to film some stuff. And, and mm. King Kong was a long, like nine month shoot. So they came to me and they talked to King Kong about releasing me to go up to Canada to do mm. Silver Street. Paramount wanted me to do it really badly, mm. and uh, and I should have done it. But I was sitting on the beach for six weeks. What the hell? Yeah. You know, <laughs> working with them two would have been would have been a, a, a right laugh. I would have thought. And I and I and I was sorry I didn't because working with Pryor and Wilder would have been a hoot. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. Been So there's a couple of pictures that I turned down, and I turned down a picture with uh, Clint Eastwood too, and I should have done it. And I. I don't understand. Um, it's a big movie, here, Jack. Yeah, this is like Clint Eastwood, Conan the Barbarian, Jaws. <laughs> You know, comedy with Richard Pryor. And, what, what? What is wrong with you, guy? <laughs> I was doing other things, you know. I had Something to... fun in London. <laughs> you had too much fun, Jack. Too much and I, fun. And I had written the great parties. script. I had a great <laughs> script that we were trying to get done and stuff. And I, you know, and I was, I was working on my book. Wow, wow. So, so, so when Superman came along, that was the right time. You were, you were free. Yeah, well, I was doing Watch or Die, and the, the same crew was down with us in Spain. They were all from, from England. And mm. uh, and they flew Hackman and I up to London to meet with Richard Donner. Mm. And they offered me the role of, of Nan. And, I, uh, mm. and they said to me, well, you know, you, how, how do you feel about playing a guy who's a mutant? I said, I, I, I want to do this role. They said, mm. what are you talking about? I said, well, Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine. He did a picture called mm. Gigo, who won mm. an Oscar for it. Playing a deaf, dumb mute. I said, thing, yeah. I said to get a picture where I can do facial reaction and body reactions. I said, noises. I, I wanted. I, I like to challenge it. And um, and they said, well. And Donner said to me, "Wow, that's a great idea." So I said, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I want to do it. Yeah, so yeah and, I, yeah, and and we got away with it. it really came out yeah. very well, you know. It worked really so well. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, we we loved your character, and well, that's we're me, all kids. It's amazing, yeah, you know. It's strong and scary, but lovable. Because though. I played that character like a child. Yeah. Yes. Like a child learning how to walk and that's talk. That's the connection. Know? That's the connection. And, with the and it worked really. Yes. And I yes. said to them, you know, when I read the script, I said, you know, you got Turn Stamp is a, is a, is a vicious general. Sarah's a man-eater. You gotta have somebody who relates to kids. Yeah. And if I take this character and play him like a child, you know, yeah. that'll be that'll work out pretty well. And it actually worked out very well. Yeah, yeah, really. And I remember the first time I ever went to a Comic Con and mm. somebody and, and a guy came up to me and he said, You can actually talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're sport, the sport you're full of facial expressions. Right? <laughs> yeah, he said, you can actually talk. He said, when I was a kid, I loved your character. Scared me to death, but I loved the character. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You must have done something right. It worked out. No, no, you was a great character. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite character. films, one of my favorite sequels, Superman 2. And yeah. when you went to see it in a the movie theater, it was just like, mm. because Superman 1 was kind of, as a kid, there wasn't a lot of action in, in the first movie, but the second one just brought it to the fold, like nonstop. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you three guys, just from the off, from when we saw you land on on the moon, it was it, it was time to be scared. Yeah. It's time to yeah. think Superman's got competition, right? That moon scene <laughs> you know? is good. I like that. <laughs> Love she that rips, scene. She rips the patch off. You, you were yeah, scared yeah. straight away, uh, weren't you? Yeah, like, oh yeah. My. These three, and, are and evil. the music, the music behind it, and then they're walking yeah. on water, and then they're burning snakes, and then you try to burn <laughs> the snake again, and it just doesn't work. I was trying Love to get lunch, scene. you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they barbecued it. You was like, hey. <laughs> Love that we, we, scene. Did, did you act and make all those little noises yourself, or was that the sound guys afterwards? No, I did that myself. Well, we did that. Oh, I did that myself. They, they, uh... Yeah. The thing is, you three guys didn't even die at the end because there's a director's no. cut where no, you just did. fell into the ditch and then you get That's arrested right. and yeah, taken away. In fact, there was shots. They're putting us in a, a police car and taking yes. us away. Taking yeah, you yeah. away. Yeah. Came up with this crazy idea that. There's another, there's a there's a, a sister planet across the galaxy that has much better technology even than Krypton did. And mm. they come down into the prisons and they turn Terrence and Sarah and I, turn us around into mindset. Mm. And I said, you know, it would be really great because I could get the, because they what they had done, they lobotomized Nan. Yeah. He was a yeah, major scientist and they yeah. lobotomized yeah. I said, we could reverse the lobotomy and I could say, Neil Zod. Speaks, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. that would be wicked. You know, we really had we had a lot of fun. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. good, man. Yeah. One and two were shot simultaneously together, weren't they? So yeah. you had the little part in one, and then obviously you were in. Well, we were doing together. two at the same time, and in fact, what they did was, Donner got so hung up doing two. They forgot they had to deliver one. You know? <laughs> and I remember, what else? Was it, and I'll tell you about the salt kinds. You know, they, we were we were in the screening room at Pinewood when Warner Brothers came over because they were going to be like a few days late delivering this thing. Mm -hmm. And Alexander, uh, they were threatening to take away his distribution deal. So Alexander invited them in to see some footage of Superman Two. And, uh, and they showed him the fight scene. And they couldn't get the rubber bands off their money fast enough. <laughs> so it worked out very well. When you're working with people for three years, you know, you become very close. Mm. You know? Were all of your scenes shot in the UK? Yeah. All mine yeah. was, they, they went to Canada and they shot some stuff up in Canada mm. and San Francisco, but all my stuff was in the UK. Yeah. So that big fight that you had when you go down the manhole and, and all and all get thrown into that was all pinewood that was pinewood yeah. studios yeah i used to love that scene as a kid walking across the water was at the back lot of pinewood the oh. uh where, where, where ripped the thing off the cop car that was yeah. the back yeah, lot of pinewood <laughs> yeah yeah that poor little because yeah because jack there's a deleted scene where you actually killed the, the siren at him you know they 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 i uh, here it makes me really they they showed that on the aftermath and they said when we threw this thing that 
that the kid, we never knew that. Oh, you didn't know that was. I never saw uh, that scene until so that years edit, later. That got edited in. Wow. Ah, right. They did like six different uh, short films that they made money off yeah. of, you know, about mm. different things, different scenes that weren't ever seen and stuff. And that was one of the scenes that was never in the major movie. Uh, yeah. We broke technology rules in, with Superman. We never used CGI or anything. We shot mm. VistaVision on VistaVision. So we had. We had these pole arms that come out with a body cast and we laid in the body cast and they dressed us and then they shot us into the film. It was very wow. long procedure. You know, Sarah hurt her back a little bit and, and you're in a position where you're lifting and doing stuff. And we did all the flying shots and fight scenes and everything else. And it made it look mm. so real mm. that you could fly under bridges and fly around buildings, mm. you know, mm. and um, it just, it, clicked all the stuff so i injured my lower back man. oh wow. put you wow. out of action wow. for a bit did it during filming or well it was right at the end of filming oh, okay so it didn't uh, i never missed yeah. anything it didn't, it didn't <laughs> affect the uh... i never missed anything I, we finished the scene i finished the scene you know pain or no pain i finished the scene and um and then i went into into the hospital and they the doctors there couldn't fix me so they sent me to the united states and we get fixed over the United States. Wow, nice, wow. nice, nice. So you you said that um, you're saying um, Christopher Reeve was was the your favorite Superman, right? He was the best Superman they'll ever have. Mm, yep. Yeah, he's our Superman. Are you a fan of the superhero films that are out at all? Because at that time, Superman Two was that was the standard. I don't think they've ever made anything better than that. Nothing else Superman. was out around like yeah. DC was just. Oh, the stuff they do now is yeah, too much, too much bullshit, too much, you know killing this and killing that mm. and superman was about law and order i mean it wasn't about yeah. just yeah. killing everybody you know yeah, exactly it was uh it was he, he was locking people up putting them in jail yeah turning yeah. things around you know it was like a, a much i like the way they, they handled that all together actually it was kind of good the menacing guy was turned stamp <laughs> well, well terrence stamp's voice but your actions he was like superman where is this superman he was that dude <laughs> But you were the guy that mashed things up. I love the scene where you land in the Daily Planet and then you smash up the the, the window oh, or something. Wow. And Gene Hackman comes yeah. through the door. Was, yeah. I did that like, in one That take. must have been fun. Yeah, I can I imagine. That scene. I did that in one time. I'll tell you a funny story. The guy, they had the, 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 the prop guy, mm. they had the wall cut out so that, and they had a jack that was supposed to go off and help push it out, you know? Mm. Yeah. So when I went through the wall, the jack didn't go off. It went off afterwards, <laughs> after I went out. And it hit me in the arm. And, and I just kept on going and went through. And the stunt guy, all he saw was the back of his butt running. He was scared to death. He was going to kill him. Because <laughs> the thing went off after the, after the fact, you know? I love all those scenes because it's just, because from your character, it's this destruction. Like you're catching like rocket launchers. You're, you're, yeah, you're snapping them up. You're snapping like big guns in half. You're snapping tables in half with your non karate chop. And you're picking up dudes and, and hitting their heads on the ceilings. Like that must have been so much fun. And you say that it all was. that was one take. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. They were the crazy. Days of That's wild, man. That's no, wild. We had a lot of fun. We destroyed the place. If you did it, <laughs> you didn't do it. You couldn't do that in two or three takes. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's when you had the one go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah. True, true. Just destroy the place. It was like the White House, man. Yeah, this White House scene. It was this. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Oval Office. That was Pinewood Studios. I just love the bit when the president says, "Oh God," and he goes, 
No, Zod. Zod. Like, yeah. You got it wrong. Yeah. I run things. Terrence is probably one of the greatest actors to come out of England. Terrence was a hell of an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Jamie it, was a, it was an actor he had, he had just because his brother managed The Who. Right. So oh. when Terrence was younger and really good-looking young kid, and he got into all that sex, drugs, and rock and roll, oh. it almost destroyed his career. Then he went to India, and he got rothed and got into all that spirituality. And, oh. and that's when they found him for Superman. He was over there, and he came back, oh. and he was clean as a whistle. <laughs> When he oh, did Zod, wow. man, he was uh, he was ready. Yeah. yeah, it was like a whole new version of Terrence Stamp. New Terrence, yeah, yeah, man. he wow. was ready. Then he did yeah. that picture, was which I thought was one of the funniest pictures. You ever see Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Yes, yeah, I've seen it. What a hilarious picture that is. <laughs> I mean, Terrence was brilliant in that. <laughs> he is good at that, actually. Yeah. Oh, he was the, great. He was great. The guy from Neighbours as well. I can't remember his name though. Uh, he was, was, uh, uh, like guy Pierce. Guy, guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. yeah. I pierced into a stamp. Yeah. The women loved him, boy. Jesus, God. Didn't they <laughs> but he was like a real blue blood. He lived like a blue blood. You know, he, he acted that way. Was he always in general Zod mode when you were on set? Did you always have to call him general and stuff? Or... Oh, no, you didn't even talk. He was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, just looking at him. Like, did everybody have to be under his command on set? Yeah, he was just, he, I mean, we, we worked very well together. We really mm. did. Mm. He was, uh, I can't imagine him anything like Zod in real life, if you're not off of camera. No, yeah. Terry, Terry was, Terry was, a, different. Terry, was a, Terry was a fun guy to be around. Mm. He yeah. had uh, a lot of great stories about what he, he did a lot of great pictures. He did, he did. Oh, when you stop and think of all those yeah. people that they had, the judges up around the, uh, they were great actors, oh, you know? Yes. All of them, the, yes, the, guilty. Harry Andrews, guilty. all of them. They, yeah, you know, we had yeah. some great actors that were so, guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they really put together a, a lot of cast, good cast. And, and you lot end up in the in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Well, we were, we we had the glass prison, man. It was kind yeah. of tight quarters, you know. You was like like pressed up like like on a like on a tube train, Piccadilly line. You must know that. <laughs> you know, two guys and a chick. I mean, Sarah was in the in the light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Uh, we 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 really had a lot of fun doing. No, amazing, amazing, amazing. So 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 uh, like Chris mentioned earlier on, you know the other tall actors like David Prowse and so on and so forth. Were you were you friends with these guys as well? Did you guys hang out? David, well, David and... was a nice guy. You know, when we did Superman, Christopher was like a 172 pound weakling, man. He came on the set. Mm -hmm. And when they gave him the role, they, they had to build him up. So David was a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And and I said to David, I said, you know, you don't want to bulk this kid. You want to cut him like Steve, like Steve Reeves, who was Mr. America. Was only like 195 pounds, but he was cut defined perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, and Christopher's got an ego deal. So when he wears that costume, he's not going to want to wear any plates or anything underneath of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you cut, if you build them, so they put 20 pounds on them, but they did it in def definition. Right. And it worked out really well, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was the first major film that Christopher ever did. Yeah. yeah. And Donner got a performance out of that kid playing yeah. switching from Clark Kent to Superman that uh, yeah, no, nobody true. will ever duplicate. Mm, yeah, true, true. So, so Darth Vader helps Superman. He did. <laughs> <laughs> One alien yeah, to another. Did. 
I mean, David played Darth Vader, and they but they used uh, James Earl Jones's voice. Yeah, voice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. James James Earl Jones was a super guy. He was a God. I loved him. He he wanted me to do the the Great White Hope movie because he played Jack Johnson. Yeah, and I remember right. when I turned it down, I was leaving Fox, mm. and I was walking down the steps, and he was walking up the steps, and he stopped me. He said, yeah, "Jack O'Hara," and I said, "Yeah, you're James Earl Jones. How wonderful." Oh, and he man. said, is it true what I just heard about you? And I said, it depends on what you hear. <laughs> he said, you just told Hollywood to take the big, because it was the biggest in Hollywood at the time. Yeah. You just told Hollywood to take the biggest movie out there and shove it? And I said, well, <laughs> you want to look at it that way. He said, I got to shake your hand. He said, I never met anybody that did that. <laughs> and we became friends after that. He's, uh, I like James. James was a good guy. I'm surprised James hasn't got a complex since you turned down down. Conan as well, he was in yeah, that. Yeah, he turned down yeah, he working was... with him in Conan, man. <laughs> you still keep in contact with Terrence and Sarah now? Yeah, Sarah and I talk all the time. That's wicked. That's really good. Yeah, you know, it's, I feel bad for Terrence. Terrence is, Terrence is suffering from dementia, mm. which is sad because then we lost Margot. Mm. I mean, we're yeah. losing them one by one. Hackman's yeah. still around. Just lost Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty just yeah, passed. that's Recently. right. That was like this week, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, like a few days ago. What a nice so. guy he was. God, he was a he, fun guy. That was a good character he played. I love yeah, his yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he, was that, he was that kind of an actor. He was a great actor. Yeah, he seemed like that in real life. Yeah, Man, definitely. Yeah. Ned, Ned, was, Ned was a good guy. I liked him a lot. How about, you, how about Marlon Brando, then? She must have met him. Brando prepared. was a guest, man. Brando, was, Brando was a New York guy, and he knew my father. He knew a lot about me. Yeah. And, and when he came over... Mitchum said to me, you got to go down to the set and say hello to him. Tell him I said hello. I said, Robert, he said, do what I'm telling you. Go down and say hello to him. <laughs> so they brought Brando over. They had to put Brando on film to get the money. Yeah. yeah. First yeah, 11 yeah, yeah. days yeah. were Marlon Brando. Marlon yeah. Brando only worked 11 days. On the right. In and out, in and out. I paid $4 million to work 11 days. Jeez. Wow. So I, that's, I, that's I got down business. and they came in, they, they were shooting at Shepard and we had to shoot right. some of the stuff over at Shepherdon because they, they couldn't get the stage space on time in Pinewood. And they, uh, so they housed up in Shepherdon for a short period of time. So I went down to, down to see him and and he was all surrounded by publicity people. And he saw me walking on the, on the, on the, in the sound stage and he stopped everybody, ran over, hey kid, how you doing? Mm. And we became really good friends and Marlon was, Marlon is such, a, he's like Mitchum. You're talking about iconic people, you know? Yeah, iconic definitely. definitely. And, they, and I went down to watch him work one day. He was uh, doing a scene and he um, he was doing this very powerful, like, you know, faced on deal. And, mm. and he had cue cards everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere, like actually, you know. Yeah. So they, I seen him do something I never saw another actor get away with. They, they, they was in the middle of doing a scene and they had a malfunction with the camera. Mm. They said, "Oh, well, wait a minute, we got it. Uh, we got to redo this, and we'll have to come back and do it." Marlon said, "Like hell, you fix that camera now." And he turned around, and then he turned back into the into the scene again, and they finished. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I turn back around, it better be ready. Yeah. And he came down on the set, off the set, and I said to him, what is with this? I said, I guess a lot of people would be a little bit nervous asking, what the hell with that? What's with all the cue cards? Are you that bored with the industry, yeah. man, that you got to have? No, 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 Jack. He said, you don't understand. I started that with Mutiny on the Bounty. 
I, I just didn't want the camera to make it look like I had studied the script or something. You know, he yeah. said, I, I said, I said, you want a crock of shit? And he, <laughs> and he sat there and he, he was a great Shakespearean actor. Yeah, and he ripped yeah. off a couple of parables of Shakespeare word for word. He looked at me and he said, this you must know word for word. This other shit, piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, Marlon was a brilliant, he, his presence was and you know the great thing about him and people like him and, and Mitchell was the same. Every morning they come to work, they say hello to everybody and they say wow. goodnight to everybody when they leave. Yeah, yeah. So there was a camaraderie like a family do, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, such yeah. a pleasure to work with. Marl was yeah. great. I, yeah. I bet you had a couple of late nights with him as well, going out drinking it after, after shooting and stuff. He was, let me tell you, I could tell you some stories about Marl. Yeah, you could. Curl, Let's curl your so. hair, son. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Marl was a funny guy. <laughs> what would you get up to then? What would you get up to? Marlon Brando? Yeah. He had his own private little parties, boy. He was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he enjoyed he enjoyed ladies and enjoyed them in the numbers. He was, right, right, right. Was a, okay. In abundance, yeah? A bit? Yeah. yeah okay. He was a, he was he liked a, a choice. Guy. Very hard for him to go out and about, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he'd have yeah. his own house parties. Well, when you right, get an 11 right. million or four million pounds for 11 days work. I'll tell you what, he's sitting yeah. having dinner yeah. one with, with the Salkines and Pierce Spangler. I think they were working like six days or something. Yeah. And they all sat down they were talking about the picture. And, and, uh, and Marlon said, you know, guys, we're really working hard. He said, I ain't working a lot of hours every day. He said, you know, maybe we should take a day off. And Donner's almost agreeing with him, and they're kicking Donner under the table. No, no, Marlon, no, we can't, we can't afford to take a day off. He said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Oh, it's, it costs too much to to take it. They, they needed to get him on film to get the money. Yeah. We, too, it costs too much to take a day off." And he said, "Well, how much does it cost for day production?" And they said, "Oh, oh man, about three hundred fifty thousand." So Marlon sat there and he looked at me. He said, "Well, you know what? Let's take a day off. I'll pay." Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> they almost fell through the floor. Oh my! Of course, they God. never did, but you know they they, they never yeah. took a day off. But he just he yeah, had he the he almost gave him a heart attack. Yeah. Well, let's take a day off. I'll pay. Wow! 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 <laughs> that show business, mate. Yeah. That is show business. Yeah, he was. He's just. He was so so non. He was just very dry, humor guy, man. Yeah. He did a he did an interview one time. He was telling me. He was he was uh, he was interviewing for a role, and and he, and he did a display of a burning candle, yeah, and he's portraying the flame, and he okay. did it so well that the people there, the producers and all, they opened their collars, they started sweating. <laughs> <laughs> he, he turned into a flame. He actually convinced. Oh yeah, he was pretending that. to be a flame, you know. Wow, how'd you he do did. that? He, I, I would have loved to have been there and watch that one, boy. And then wow. people told me people told me about it. They said, See, that, that, that story's very true. It was a legendary story in Hollywood. The producer's actually guy loosened his collar. They mm. were sitting there sweat started sweating and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the heated room. He was, a, he was a great method actor, boy. Oh yeah, amazing, amazing. You've had some really Big careers, you know, like you know, being a being a professional boxer, heavyweight boxer, fighting with some of the best, you know, and your acting and so on, and your and your other activities, as you say, in your family activities, you, and you and you have a book, um, 
Great book, oh, yeah. called Family Legacy. We're getting Family ready Legacy. to make a mini series of it. Then we're going to do a series. Oh wow! In fact, they got two more books coming out behind it. It's going to be uh, yeah. Because we're telling the truth about a lot of things. My father was a was a very very powerful man in his day, and uh, mm. <clears throat> there's a lot of stories about what happened in New York and you know the drug business. And my father was was the one that did he didn't not want them in the drug business. He said it'll be the downfall. When they did The Godfather and they approached Brando mm. about getting in the drug business and he said, ah, he declined. He said, if we touch it, our children will touch it. It'll be the downfall of the families. Mm. And my yeah. father said that and he was right because it was. Yeah. Created yeah. a lot of wars in New York and they started killing each other over it and greed, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wanted yeah. too much. Definitely. Yeah. And he ran all the waterfronts, so he yeah. didn't want them bringing it in on, on his, on his, on his right. watch. Mm-mm. Was this during the 60s? That was it. They killed, that was in 57. Right. It started right. in the 50s. And they were involved. There were certain families that were involved from way back from the 30s because it was a big money deal. And they, the Chinese owned opium dens everywhere. Mm. And they just, you know, they wanted to control the money in the city. Mm. So they figured if, if another ethnic group got involved, if they let them in the door too much, it would disrupt their money flow in the cities, you know? Mm, yeah. But yeah, there were yeah. certain people like Frank Costello that was against it because he had all the political contacts and he said, that business is going to get us bad publicity with with the with the law and order. We're going to lose our political contact. Yeah. Then you had people in Buffalo that they weren't into it that much. People with the outfit in Chicago weren't into it because they had other things they were doing. Mm, and cool. uh, so it, it was interesting to see who in the country really got involved in, in yeah. the drug business and uh, yeah. Yeah. how it panned yeah. out. But it yeah. created a lot of disturbances and created a lot of inner wars with yeah. people. Yeah. So so you saw a lot of stuff and a lot of things happening growing up yeah. around that time. Yeah, yeah, I watched all that stuff transpire, you know. It's time to tell the truth about what really yeah. happened. Right, you know, right. tell the truth. Yeah. And so the first book that I wrote, Starts out with my father's assassination, and I tell the truth about the Kennedy assassination. Okay. Uh, well, you know what happened to Jack Kennedy and why, and uh, you know it's, mm. uh, and that's mm. a story that's been every ten years they leak something different. Different. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, they had sold the media, sold everybody on the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald did this. Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't even in, wasn't even in the building. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. And, and the whole. The whole thing about the one bullet theory was all bull. Yeah, that's all, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this this book puts it straight. It puts everything straight. Yeah, it really happens. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and to that, it's yeah. loose, loosely based on your life then. That, that your yeah, me as a young man coming up into the world, and you know, and uh, um, so we we got we we're going to go in the decades. With the 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 first book ends with the Kennedy deal, and the second book will end with the Nixon deal. And, the third book will bring us up to date where what's going on. That sounds like a movie franchise right there. That would make it. They'd make some. Well, it's going to do a mini series that will turn into a series because there's, there's be too good. many, too much information to try to put into one film. Yeah. We were going mm-hmm. to do movies, but series there's just too well. much to try to jam into two hours into a screening. Mm-hmm. So it's better to do like a six-hour, eight-hour miniseries yeah. and lay the format, and then just do a series because you're talking about the opening up of a country. Yeah. So you're talking about naming all the major cities and how they all played a part in it. 
you know, and we'll talk about Europe, how the craze and everybody was, how everybody was involved. Serious. Mm, was Netflix was, right there, isn't it? Yeah, man. How accurate is like the Godfather, Goodfellas, Sopranos? And Godfather so was the Godfather had had is probably one of the most one of the most telltaling, but they they wrote what they were told to write. And the Godfather was actually four guys' lives, my father's and, and three other people's lives in New York, and they condensed it into one. And they they but they, they opened up the door to tell a lot of truth about a lot of things. Mm. But they never finished it out. They just uh, it, then when they did Godfather, Godfather Two was one of the best movies ever made. Then mm. Godfather Three got away from it. They got it into yeah. the Vatican yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they lost yeah. track of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. I like De Niro in The Irishman. Have you seen that? Yeah, it was a bullshit movie. I mean, yeah, I, I, I knew... I liked it. I liked it. I didn't uh, it. First of all, I knew Frank Sheeran very well. And Frank Sheeran yeah, never yeah. killed Hoffa. And he never killed Joey Gallo. Yeah. Uh, he painted houses, though. He did. He killed a few people. But he was <laughs> Hoffa's driver. He drove oh, Hoffa right. around. And uh, he worked for uh, Russell Buffalino was in Western Penn. Russell was a powerful Don, he political Don. I knew Russell very well. Mm. I used to, I had some of my fights in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Russell used to come and watch me fight all the And he, Russell was a, a, a very intelligent, smart guy. In fact, they called him, back in the in the 50s, they used to go knock on people's doors and they had a dating thing where they did, took film of you with like a little Kodak camera, you know? Mm. And they've made a dating game, dating uh, thing out of it. Like they was the first dating deal where you could see the person on film and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Russell put that on. So he used to call him the dating Don. <laughs> Russell was a pretty clever guy. And he, uh, but he uh, he would have turned over in his grave. He saw how they portrayed him really? in that movie. Oh, you know, wow. But Petchy did a good job. You know, I can't say the acting was good, but they they just they didn't tell the truth. They did a Hollywood. You know, yeah, as always. Uh, Hoffa as was. Always, yeah. I knew Hoffa well. Hoffa was a great guy. I mean, he was. Jimmy Hoffa would never ask you to do what. He would never ask a man to do anything he wouldn't do himself. He wouldn't do himself. Mm-hmm. And he got himself in trouble. He was never found, was he? Never been. Never, never been, will be found. Never will be found. Yeah. Never will be. Found. But there's some great stories about. There. There's a guy. Do you know where he is, John? <laughs> yeah, actually, I do. Oh. But there was. There was there was a guy in Chicago. They busted him in Chicago, and and he had he had a, like a gentleman's farm outside of the city, and uh, he used to go out and dig up the farm for his father. And his yeah. father was an old man, so they they locked him up, and they so he brought the FBI in to see him. He said, "Well, I'll tell you where Hop is buried." They said, "Yeah, where, where, where?" He said, "Buried on this piece of property. It was his father's farm." So they went out and dug up the whole farm. <laughs> Never found him. Never found him. He wasn't there. The ground dug up, it? But his father's <laughs> farm got all dug up. You know? Wow, wow. Ready for next season's crops. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there was yeah, a few I, comedy I, stories like that. About yeah, you. I need a garden. I need a new garden. Uh, FBI I comes in handy for something, man. Wow, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you know where he is, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll come out one day. It'll come out one day. But he's not uh, he's not buried anywhere, I'll tell you that right now. Not holding up any bridges. He's not mm. he's not buried. He's not buried anywhere. He's not like what uh, happened from like one of the old um the English gangster tricks and been given to the pigs. 
Oh, that's 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 that that is an old trick. That, they, used do, trick eh? they used to do that in Arkansas as well. They just throw them to hogs. Yeah, hogs. nothing left. There's they nothing eat everything. Left, oh yeah, they, they chew everything. the bones up and all. Teeth and yeah. everything. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They, there's no wow. no. You want to get rid of somebody down in the south, boys? Take them down to to the, the hog farm, pig farms down there, and just <laughs> chuck the body in there, man. Take all the clothes off it and chuck it in there. They just, wow. Two weeks later, that that, that thing's gone. gone. Yeah. Nice, nice. Two weeks later, someone's eating bacon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> imagine having imagine having a pork sausage with somebody's tooth up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. on, you know, sometimes when you get that gristly bit in a sausage. Uh, yeah, you don't know what that is. <laughs> it could be someone. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Wow. Those wow. hogs, you need anything, let me tell you. Yeah, they go for as anything, greedy mate. as a pig, as they say. So so, so, what lifestyle excites you more, Jack? Is it the boxing, is it the acting, or is it that? Mm. And, you know, it, it was all fun. Mm. You know, I enjoyed the I, I enjoy the film industry. Mm. I'm doing a lot of writing, getting ready to go back and do a couple of movies. And I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed doing the film business. And the sports were, I, I kicked myself in the butt that I didn't. Uh, put into the sport that I should have put into it. But then when I got done, I, I turned around just to show that I, the ability and I took a kid that nobody wanted and I made him mm. world champion. Mm, that's good. And Frankie was a great champion. He, he, he was champion for several years. But I'll tell you a funny story. I was over there fighting uh, Carl Gizzy, the champ of Wales at the governor house. And, uh, and I had brought my brother over to see the fight and we stayed I had him at the Cumberland up in the, on the square up there. And Cumberland Hotel was a great hotel then. Mm. And, and, and and we lost him. So I'm sitting with some with a bunch of the lads and we're having a, a bit of a, a laugh afterwards. And all of a sudden we couldn't find my brother. And I said, you know, somebody better have him found by the morning or there's going to be shit to be had. And, and like nobody carried weapons then. So I took it. I had a nine millimeter and I put it on the table. Nobody carried yeah. weapons, but you had a nine millimeter. I was a yank gangster, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I put a nine millimeter on the table and David Barry said, Oh my God, Jack, what are you doing? I said, Well, so I don't find my brother by the morning. Somebody's going to find one of these in their ass. Wow. <laughs> they, they scoured London. They found him. He was in another room balling some chick at the Cumberland Hotel. Oh, my God. He was under your roof and you was bringing out the nine milli, mate. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Wow. That's a good one. Wow. a lot of fun. London was a great, London was a great, uh, great, great town. Jesus, God, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, you, you was here. You was here a lot for you, but that's the funny thing because you was here for all of your activities. You boxed here, you filmed Superman filmed here, yeah. you brought out your nine millimeter here. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you were here in all actions, bro. You were here. Oh yeah, Jack. we had a lot of fun. You being a sporty guy, did you have a football team? Did you like a, a soccer? English oh, team your George Best is one of my best friends. Uh, oh, Manchester oh, United. Man United. Man United. Yeah. United. Man United was my team, son. Right, right. George, right. George, George, and I were very close. I, so, you, so, you, a, so you had late nights with George as well. Oh my God! <laughs> I can tell you stories about George. I bet. Well, all it, where all is, Jack. George, he, he used to have his club. He had a club in the West End there, for at yeah. the end of his career. But he had a club up in Manchester, 
Mm. You couldn't, I mean, people were wrapped around the block to get in this mm. joint. Get an amazing club up to Manchester. Guy, yeah. mm. And he, you know, I remember he was about 28 years old when he retired. And I said to him, George, why, why are you retiring from soccer, man? Football. And he said, uh, Jack, he said, you know, because uh, he lived a crazy life. He did live. He was, yeah. he was totally bananas. Yeah. Uh, but he was the greatest. I, I don't think there was a better football player ever that I ever saw play the game than him. I mean, I, I watched George one time. Five guys tried to take a ball away from him mm. at center at center field, and he left them all laying on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he brought the ball true. over his shoulder, around his elbow. Yeah. I mean, he was George was a trip. <laughs> but he said, he said, you know, I, I don't want young kids to emulate my life the way mm. I live. Mm. So he retired, you know. Right. And then he came to America. He was living actually down the street from me in Hermosa Beach, and they were putting. Uh, soccer teams over here in America. There was a guy down in Texas had a ton of money and he wanted to win. But all the soccer players over here were all headers. Nobody had any feet you know, to move the ball around. Yeah, so yeah. I said to George, I said, George, this guy will give you a fortune, an open checkbook. Go home and grab four or five guys and bring them back mm. and win him a title. <laughs> I said nobody will, nobody could touch us. You know, go home and bring back a few mm. guys. I said, and he'll give you an open checkbook to do it. Yeah, yeah. And he said, Wow, what a great idea. And then some people that owned the Cosmos, it was a soccer team yeah. in LA, yeah. Yeah. took him out and got him drunk and gave him four, you know, George has four chicks jumping all over him and needles dick the bug car. You know, he, he, was, uh, he was all, so, and he signed a contract while he was loaded. And then he hid from me for two weeks. And I said, George, are you crazy? He said, John, man, I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, you turned down millions of dollars from this guy for a lousy what? what they give you? A quarter of a million to half a million dollars to play for this L.A. team? Are you crazy? Wow. wow. Yeah, wow. Well, you know, man, he kicked himself in the ass over that one. Wow. But, well, well, but it, it, was, seems like, it seems like you're all like that. Remember, you turned down some yeah. big films as well. It was... It, it was that time where people just like George, George Best. George Best yeah. was. They used to call me up from a pub. But George, George would get in trouble all the time. The, the yeah. Big mouth. He was always <laughs> yelling at somebody, and they, they would call me up from a pub. The owner of the pub would call me. He said, "Jack, he said, you know, you got to do me a favor and come down there. George is, George is getting a little crazy. Let me tell you something. Anybody hurts him, I'm coming to see you people." So do you still like a beer or two? You still like a drink or two, Jack? Or I haven't had a drink in forty years. Good on you, man. Yeah, nice, good. nice, nice. Forty nice. years. I ain't touched a drink in forty years. I too You've much. You had your fair share in the sixties, right? I took care of my. Yeah, I had. I had my heyday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I cleared enough joints. Let me tell you. Smoked <laughs> <laughs> a few as well, right? Yeah, I, just, uh, I cleared. I cleared a few places out myself. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Wild times. Well, I had no sense of humor at times. Just, just, just straight up drinking and, and and doing what you had to do, yeah. Yeah, you just uh, take care of business. You know what I mean? Take care of business. Take care yeah. of business. Whether it's boxing, movies, or popping a cap in someone's ass. <laughs> Any, anybody who wants to get your book that that's out, that is that available? Like, can we get that off of Amazon in the UK? We go on you Amazon can get it off of Amazon now. It's been out for for several years, but now they're yeah. gonna re they're gonna republish yeah, it again. Out. And I've got another book behind it. So, like, I'm going to publish one, then 
six months later, going to do another one. Six yeah. months later, do another one. So they're mm-hmm. pretty much all written now. So just that's good. Hang them out one after the other, and you get the juices going. First one's got some really good reviews on the first one. Yeah, it did. Reading. I'm going yeah. to pick that up and have a read of it. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. It's a fun read. Yeah. You like hooligans, you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> the Book of Hooligans. Okay, we'll check that out, man. Definitely. Jack, Jack, it's been great speaking with you, brother. It's like, you know, thank hey, you for the stories. Mine, thank you, you know? for the la- laughs and you thank guys, you for You guys bring back a lot, of, a lot of good memories, boy. London's... <laughs> if you ever come back, you need to you need to check us out. We, you need to check know. us out. We might need some favors, Jack. <laughs> you know what I mean? We might not have the connections you know, but we, we know some people. You know what I mean, Jack? We need we need your chat. You understand? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, Jack, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you for this. Hey, this is my Come pleasure, on. guys. Thank you. Yep. And um enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to do the best I can. It's still a little early over here. You guys are a little it's bit ready to go to us, bed, man. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we're nearly midnight. Yeah, we're nearly midnight here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting a bit envious of your old days. We might go out. See, when I lived there at midnight, we were just ready to go out. Yeah, That's exactly. what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We might we bring that ready. back we just for you. The night is still young. <laughs> we might have to bring it back. But Jack, if you're in London, look us up, mate. Yeah? I will do that. I promise you. Take care. All right. Be well, guys. Take care. You, you too. too Thanks for coming on. Thank it was you. a lot of fun. Believe me. Yeah, man. Amazing. That was a good one. Man, I could chat for ages with him. He knew so many people. Too many. Too many. Mate, too. And in, and in, and in different quarters. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Jack. Um, see you again soon, guys. Thank you. Up, up and away. Till next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.